Did you know there are 75 days set aside after Jesus defeats Satan and his armies and before the millennial 1,000-year reign begins? What exactly will happen during this time? What will followers of Jesus be doing? Listen in as we further examine the book of Daniel as he describes the vision he receives of one like the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven, leading up to the Ancient of Days where Jesus is given supreme authority over all peoples, nations, and speakers of every language. Join us now as we conclude this series with Daniel C's The End from the Beginning, the foundation for the coming tribulation. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Russick Outlook. This is Mark Russick. Uh, We are now about to conclude our series, our three-part mini-series, if you will, Uh, investigating the book of Daniel and what is the overarching theme, the 70 weeks of Daniel, which is the foundation for the coming tribulation. We've, We've covered a lot in the first two sections, and now we're going to draw near the end of what Daniel sees. Uh, not only are we've been able to draw historical rele- re- relevance, yeah, it's easy for me to say, but where uh, he shows us what is to come in the end of days, uh, near the end of tribulation. And sure enough, if you look at the book of Revelation, so much of this bears witness with it. Uh, so we're going to wind this down. We're going to look at what what is the closing events before Jesus comes back, and then what happens when Jesus comes back as he gets ready to establish the millennial kingdom, where there's a lot of, uh, well, let's just say there's a fair amount of uncertainty uh, or a certain amount of uh, people just aren't sure of what will happen. Uh, We're also going to cover uh, the end of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. We're going to go back to the beginning, some kind of uh, you know, the theme here where Daniel sees the end from the beginning, just as God always declares. He says, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Uh, and he, he declares the end He through his prophets. He lets his prophets speak it out of what it will look like at the end. And then it, it then the process starts. So we'll be looking at that. And uh, uh, it's going to be exciting. So listen, if you enjoy topics like this, if you enjoy information like this, I always ask if you wouldn't mind, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. It really helps us, uh, you know, depending on upon the platform that you're at. Uh, we try to hit all the major platforms. We're also on YouTube, uh, on the all the various major podcasts. If you could subscribe to whether you're on Apple, Google, Spotify, there's a whole bunch of others. If you go on our website and you link to the podcast, it'll show you all the different ones. And if you wouldn't mind, I would love to grab your email. Um, the, if you can enter your email on the website, we don't do anything with it other than inform you new topics coming up. That's that that that's it, and you know getting the information out there. So if you can, uh, it's deeply appreciated. So as I said, this is the overarching theme of the seventy weeks of Daniel, the foundation for the coming tribulation. Um, this is part of an overall study that w- what I'm calling the certainty of the second coming of Jesus. This is uh, going to bear out our third section. We've looked at um, uh, the different, what, what it means between the physical second coming of Jesus versus the rapture of the church. We did a lot of detailed investigation into Israel and Israel's role in the end times. 
Uh, we'll be getting more into that as we get into uh, discussing things about Jerusalem and Revelation. Uh, but but so now I'm going to jump to the end of Daniel, where we're going to concentrate on what we can bear out uh, from the Greek Empire. There's a couple more things I want to show you that will show up in the end times as well. So it says in Daniel 10:14, now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. This is the angel speaking to Daniel. For the vision is in regard to the days yet to come. So the prophecies of chapters 7 through 12 are to focus on national Israel and God's purpose for this nation during the time of the Gentiles, especially the end time and the conclusion, which is the 70th week that we spoke about in the prior section. You can see this and you can reference it in Daniel 8, 19, 9:24 and 12:1. Chapter 11, so we're, you know, we're rolling into chapters 11 and 12 here. This will deal deal with near future events. Uh, and those that were fulfilled historically, the rise of the three kingdoms and the far future events, those fulfilled eschatologically. Boy, I said that. I said that. Right. Don't ask me to say it again. I won't. Eschatologically. I did. I said it twice in a row. The rise of the little horn from the fourth kingdom uh, and, and the Antichrist, which is in verse 36 through 45. And, and in a lot of this, we talked about how this was, uh, that we can reference seeing this in the Greek empire uh, and, and how they overcame and destroyed the Jews and tried to eliminate the, the Jewish faith uh, and, and the Jewish sacrifices and, and, and whatnot. Um, so consider the progressive revelation of Gentile world history, history, which culminates with the Antichrist. Now think about the Greek Empire. The focus of Antiochus IV Epiphanes in Daniel eleven twenty one through thirty five should not be expected. Remember, he uh, should should yeah should be expected. That that was written wrong. I apologize for that. He shares the same agenda as the Antichrist. So verse 21, he is called the despicable person. In verse 31, he defiled himself. He opposed the God, God's word and he opposed the Mosaic law. Verse 32, he persecuted the Jewish people. Verse 31, he desecrated the temple. Verse 31, the abomination of desolation. So this all happened at one point in the Greek empire. And, and we covered a lot of this in, in the prior video, but I just wanted to reemphasize it. And then here, if you're watching, you see uh, the visual image that, that Daniel saw of the four beasts with the lion with the two wings, uh, the bear with the three ribs in his mouth, the, the leopard with the four uh, heads and the four wings, and then finally the beast with the ten horns, three horns pop out, and then there's one. So... Let's talk about Daniel eleven forty through 45. These are the conquests of the Antichrist. So this is just before the return of Jesus. Earlier verses established the Antichrist's military ambition is all-consuming. He will exalt himself above all men and gods in order to have the highest station. This is the course of the intended goal of Satan all along. Isaiah fourteen thirteen through 14. He will give the Antichrist his authority, 
his military prowess and conquest, and that is also seen in Revelation 13, 2 and 4. The military campaign will ultimately center on Israel. It's always about Israel. It's always about God's people in Israel. He will have to overcome a two-prong attack from the north and the south before he can achieve his objective. Possibly through Syria and Egypt, we don't know. More than likely, um, but there, there's some interesting relationships that are being developed, particularly with Egypt and Israel today. Isaiah 19, 24-25 records believers from these two nations will receive special recognition in the millennial kingdom. So that's very interesting. So, you know, God points them out. After securing the region from further defiance of his, his authority, his next move will be politically, political control over Jerusalem. We see this in Revelation 11 as well. Um, and the desecration of the temple, we see that in Daniel 9.27, where Jesus referenced it in Matthew 24.15 and Mark 13.14. Verse 11.45 of Daniel he explains he will establish his royal palace as a beautiful mountain. This will lead to the erection of the mysteriously animated image in Revelation thirteen fifteen. Um, we'll be covering that when we get to Revelation, um, but just suffice to say there will be an image erected uh, near the Temple Mount. This is after Satan or the Antichrist, I should say, the Beast has been potentially killed. I'll leave it at that. Um, After his discretion of the Holy of Holies, which will cause the ceasing of sacrifices, he will establish his headquarters on the Temple Mount, 1145. Then the false prophet will declare him to be the sole recipient of the world's worship, just as Revelation says, 13, 12, and 15. Jewish people will realize his deception. Once he comes in and takes over the Temple, the Jewish people thought they had a treaty, but they'll, they'll recognize the writing on the wall. They want out. And they will flee the city with others and will remain, And I'm sorry, others will remain and fight. So a bunch will flee, others will remain and fight, and we know that from Zechariah 14.2. 11.45 also proclaims the destruction of the desolator of the temple, the same as in verses 9.27. So what about the character of the Antichrist? We can look at 11.36 through 39. He does as he pleases and he exalts himself, verse 36. He blasphemes the true God, again, verse 36. He abandons natural feelings for people, even the opposite sex. He will be a male, but he will not have uh, a woman by his side. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, And then finally, he will care only for military might and conquest. He will be obsessed with the military and the military victory campaigns. He will come to his end and no one in the end will help him. When the Antichrist returns to Jerusalem in the last of his Armageddon campaigns to destroy the Jewish remnant, his armies will be met by Messiah who will fight for Israel, rescue the remnant, and completely massacre Antichrist forces. You can read that in Zechariah 14, 3 through 4. Revelation 6.17, for the great day of the wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Revelation 19.15, in this great day of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, 
Revelation 19.20, the Antichrist and his false prophet will be thrown into the lake of fire. So you see the, all these correlations of what's happening, what happened uh, in the near future from when Daniel wrote this to the Greek empire that we covered, what, what, has, what he describes what will be happening in the end of days, and that's virtually the same, or, or, or you, you, know, you can draw an absolute correlation to what John saw in his vision in Patmos. So now I'm going back to the beginning. I'm going back to what we first looked at when we examined King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And for those of you who forgot about the image, if you're watching on uh, video, you see this yellow highlight, and the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. As you were looking, a stone was cut without human hands, and it struck. So it destroyed it. Remember, it it just annihilated it, crushed it, it was like dust in the wind, and the wind blew it away. So here are some interesting notes that we can find uh, pertaining to this time. In the Babylonian religious system, the earth itself was a mountain, the mountain house, and the gods came from the sacred mountain of the earth, called the mountain of the lords, uh, of the lands, I'm sorry. Marduk was the chief god, we talked about him in the first section, and was known as the great mountain with temples dedicated to him, constructed in the shapes of mountains. So notice that the Lord is, is choosing the mountain, and he's going to destroy it. And, and, and at this time, it is the people view this as a religious god. God's purpose of depicting the stone as being cut out of a mountain, and he stresses without human hands, and becomes a great mountain, was to confirm to the king his dream was of divine origin. Remember, none of Marduk's wise men were able to interpret the dream, but Daniel, the representative of the God of heaven, he could and he did. That was a very, very important. We talked about how none of them, well, they, they didn't know what the dream was, but yet God revealed that to, to, uh, to Daniel. This further emphasized by the stone reducing the statue, which means all Gentile political dominion is crushed to the dust and to the wind, blowing every trace that remains. Interestingly, another title for Marduk was Lord of the Wind, based on the belief that the winds were governed by the gods, plural. However, here the wind serves the stone by removing every vestige of human government so that the kingdom of God could be established on earth. I'm going to read here, just as a reminder, Daniel 2.44. In the days of those... Uh, kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will its sovereignty be left for another people, but it will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, and it will stand forever. So I'm bringing you back to this purposely to show you this is the same thing that he's showing him in his vision. It's the same thing at the end of days. God will annihilate and and put everything aside. All the Gentile um, kingdoms, all of their, all of man's efforts will we'll just we'll, we'll just blow away. And then Daniel 7, 9 through 14, I mentioned that we I wanted to come back to this. Now we're talking about how he saw the ancient of days back in that initial vision that he got with the four beasts, or he received with the four beasts. God is not good English. Got. Uh, I, I'm, I'm reading Daniel 7, 19 through 14. I kept looking until the thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His garment was white as snow and the hair on his head was pure wool. 
His throne was flames of fire. His wheels were burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. A thousand thousands were attending him and 10,000 times 10,000 were standing before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Then I kept looking because of the sound of the great and boastful words which were the horn, which the horn was speaking. That's the horn with the two eyes and, and, and mouth. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to be burned with fire. We see that exactly happening in Revelation. And as for the rest of the beast, their power was taken away. This is the beast and the false prophet. Yet their lives were prolonged for the length of the lives for a predetermined time. Uh the Son of Man is presented here. I kept looking at the night visions, and behold, on the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming, and he came upon the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him, the Messiah, was given dominion, supreme authority, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and speakers of every language should serve and worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. So this is bringing you back the vision that Daniel saw. He saw the Ancient of Days, and he saw the defeat of Satan. And finally, this is is an interesting little tidbit. Um, I shouldn't call it a tidbit. I don't mean to minimize it, but Daniel 12, 11, and what I'm going to get at is there's a, there's a, slice of time between the end of the tribulation to the beginning of the millennium. And and it's shown here in Daniel 12, 11 through 13. I believe this is the only part of the Bible that, that gets into this. So from the time that the regular sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, uh, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed happy, fortunate, spiritually prosperous, and beloved is the one who waits expectantly, enduring without wavering for the period of the tribulation and comes to the 1,335 days. So interesting. This is the vision that, this is the decree that he receives from Gabriel. So we thought 1,290, now he's saying 1,335. So that's an additional 45 days. But as for you, Daniel, go your way until the end of your life, for you will rest and rise again for your allotted inheritance at the end of the age. So, if you look at the time of the tribulation, well, let me, let me read this. This explains the prophetic timetable that, that these tribulation saints, from the midpoint of the tribulation, that's the ending of the, uh, of the sacrifices and the abomination of desolation, right at the halfway point, to the end of the 70th week of the second advent, that's 1,260 days, 42 months. But Gabriel says there will be 1,290 days, right? So 1260 to 1290, that's 30 days. Then he goes on to say, but Gabriel says there will be, uh, uh, um, I'm sorry, it says likewise, verse 12, how blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1335. So he goes from 1260 to 1290 to 1335. So the 1260 we understand. But then if you go from that to 1335, that's 75 days. 30 extra days plus the 45 extra days. So what is that about? So apparently 
This indicates there will be an interim period between the second advent and the commencement of the millennial kingdom. Since judgment of the nations follows the second advent and precedes the entrance of the saints into the kingdom, it must occupy in this interim period. Other events may also occur, such as the elevation of the millennial Jerusalem and the building of the temple. Isaiah 2, 2 through 3, Ezekiel 40 through 43, and Zechariah 14, 10. The dedication of the temple will require a functioning priesthood to be at the site, so it's likely the work of the temple will take place once the kingdom has commenced. I get into this in the book uh, in the Battle for Jerusalem, so that'll be in two studies from now. There's some fascinating things there about the the priests working in the uh, millennial kingdom with with Jesus, and the Jewish uh, Levites are preparing for this. They're preparing for the Messiah, but they they don't know that he's Yeshua. But they are preparing for this now. Uh, the dedication of the temple will require the functioning priesthood. Uh, so why why are those that made it through the 1,335 days so blessed? They made it to the millennial kingdom, praise Yeshua. So here they, they were alive at the midpoint of the tribulation. And if they're seeing into the millennial kingdom, they've lived through it. They've lived through to the end. And Gabriel and, and, and the hosts of heaven are calling them blessed. So, and, and I've got a picture of a lion and the lamb here because that's how I always love to see the Lord, uh, the strength of the lion and the gentleness of the lamb. And that's what we'll see. That's what we will see in the millennial kingdom. We will see the, the earth blessed like we we've never can't even imagine. This will be the greatest thing since Adam and Eve is what we're about to behold. And, um, you know, I believe as you go through this, I am not ever one to call dates out. But if you look around, the days are drawing near. The time is drawing near. The, the birth of Israel and the events that are happening, a generation after the birth of Israel, uh, you know, a, lot, a lot's happening. So we're, we're, we're getting close. And, you know, it could be a year. It could be tomorrow. It could be 10 years. It could be 100 years. But you know what? 100 years isn't a long time. And, but that's how close. We are at the very end. And, uh, you know, I just, I just encourage you that if, if you know the Lord, that's great. You know, shout it out. Let other people know. If you don't, ask the Lord. Make yourself real to me. Show me. Um, it's, it's a very, very simple prayer. Just, you know, ask him into your heart. Ask him for the forgiveness of your sins. Uh, because we have all sinned. And, you know, look no further than, you know, did you ever lie? Did you ever steal? Uh, did, you, did, did you ever take the Lord's name in vain? I, you know, I know I did all of those, and, and I'm a sinner, so I'm no better than anybody, but by his grace, I've been saved. So that same opportunity is out there for you if you're listening. I hope, I hope you take advantage of it. Well, thank you for listening and, and uh, enjoying this time. I hope as we really uncovered a lot in the book of Daniel, it's a fascinating book, it's, it's, it's an incredible revelation, and we can point with pinpoint accuracy to the uh the establishment of the word of god as being fact and and, that, and that's really the way it is so i want to thank you thank you for your time it's really appreciated um share it with others share the information with others and and let people know because if this is truth and i believe it is then you want to get this truth to other people 
God bless you. I hope to see you again soon. And remember, this is Mark Russick. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion.